welcome to this, the fourth edition of Business Shift with uh, Megan Murray and myself, you and Semple. And uh, just to, to kick off the, the podcast this time, as a brief comment about my, my opening, uh, one of our listeners pointed out that it could do with a bit of de-umming the last time. And uh, for those of you who are not aware of what de-umming is, it's, it's a practice in radio where if you have somebody who ums too often, it can make things quite difficult to listen to. So uh, radio studio managers, as we used to be called at the BBC, which others would call sound engineers or, or studio um, producers, uh, some of our time as juniors was spent taking the ums out of interviews. And uh, it was interesting that we, we learned not to take all the ums out. You know, if, if you were interviewing a part of the producer or the, the journalist was interviewing a politician and asked them a really difficult question, then you would leave in the long um uh, as they thought over the answer. Um, but just to respond to the, the suggestion that I could have done with a bit of de-umming and, and also just touch on the fact that so many people nowadays have this capacity to record themselves and uh, in business as well so that you know you can have chief execs recording video or audio and uh, you know when Megan and I started doing these podcasts um, it was really just to let people listen in on the sort of conversations that we were having anyway so we sort of deliberately decided to just literally as much as we could make it a recording of us having a conversation <laughs> we just said that I've now talked all the way from the beginning of the podcast and I, and I will I will let Megan get a word in edgeways in a moment but you know it's just that balance between how polished you try to make it sound you know do you try to make it sound like broadcast and if you try to make it sound like broadcast does that turn it into the sort of rumpty tump pretend English, not all that trustworthy these days that we're trying to get away from. So, you know. <laughs> well, and does it goes both ways too, right? Because one of the things that you said was that, um, you know, if you asked a politician a particularly tough question, you'd leave the, the, those pauses or the ums in there if they were starting to stammer over themselves or something. Um, well, that's not real pleasant if you're the politician. And, uh, uh, and it's a different message than the one you were actually sending. And, you know, so in the, is, is there some opportunity in, in listening to the full conversation, uh, you know, warts and all, uh, that gets you to uh, a place that might be a little more real? Well, and, <laughs> so. and I guess the, the length of it as well. I mean, somebody else suggested we chop it up into shorter bits. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I remember <laughs> when I first sort of encountered podcasting, I thought, God, there's no way I'm going to sit and listen to somebody for that length of time. But I actually know you know, listening to Leo Laporte's podcast and, the, and, and Merlin Mann, I, mm-hmm. I like, in a way, the rambling nature of them. I, I, I just, they're sort of gentler. They, they kind of creep into your psyche in a way that being, shout, <laughs> being shouted at in a way, you know, which is what, you know, I now find radio very packaged and very forceful almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it kind of has to be. I think it, it's it's interesting to, to, to look at the different types of uh, uh, media and how um, they have progressed over the years and uh, what competition does to them. It does them amazing and innovative things, but it also brings in a certain degree of uh, um, uh, attack, <laughs> you know, uh, morning radio. I give you morning radio <laughs> yeah. in, in, any, in yeah. any country, you know, morning radio is, uh, um, I've, I've not been able to listen to the radio in my car unless it's been like 
public radio or something. The the public radio over here is is a, a, a more donation based kind of experience and less about commercials, even though the yeah. the donation drive feel like commercials all the time anyway. But um, it's it's a different experience. It's much more aggressive. And uh, um, I wonder if uh, you know how how long have people been saying that uh, radio is in its death throes, but. Um, it, it's it, as things get uh, as models change as things get tougher in any industry it's interesting to see the reactions to it and um, if screaming loud uh, you know advertisements and super polished uh, content are the only way that you can get people to to pay attention you might not have that much to say <laughs> well but that's that's really interesting and I think it sort of leads into one of the one of the topics we were going to touch on is is that business about what works and what doesn't, and and if we mm-hmm. and if we really know what works and what doesn't, and uh, mm-hmm. you know the thing about so many businesses who've become involved in social media, and well, you know, I've ranted about this all the time. The, the fact that it's called social media is partly just this marketing bubble, mm-hmm. r- rather than mm-hmm. just people talking on the internet. And yeah. so much of what has happened so far has been shouty <clears> in, in <throat> its own way. You know, it's been trying not to be, but it's still some corporation coming into my space pretending to be my friend and then shouting, mm-hmm. at, shouting at me about stuff that wants me to buy and you know you tune it out really quickly don't you so it's that subtle thing mm. is what I'm, I'm talking to more clients about these days who seem more willing to listen is how do you build relationships rather than sell I guess and that's the shift isn't it yeah, exactly. Well, and it's the this this notion of engagement, right? When we're talking about if you do a search on social media engagement right now, the stuff that you will find is all, you know, top 10 marketing uh, how-tos and um, what kind of fun uh, contests you should throw and, and uh, uh, case examples of, um, you know, uh, how many likes you can get. And the the you know, all well-intended. It's, you know, it's fumbling with new tools. I, I, I get it. Yep. Um, but uh, it's, you know, again, I'll, we'll go back to radio. What do you do when you have an amazing thing that allows you to reach, um, you know, all of the people of the world? <laughs> well, you, you, you formed the Nazi party. That's what you do. <laughs> you, you sell some stuff, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, actually, that was a facetious and probably, insa- you know, uh, that, that, that comment about Nazis was, was that, 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 it, that was enabled by mass media mm-hmm. and that whole 30s era of mass media and mass consumers um sure. i guess it's partly the legacy whether they were still that were beginning to come out from and that and that's the sort of question i keep having you know i was walking around one of our local uh, shopping centers yesterday and okay admittedly it was at the end of the day uh, but it was quiet and there, and there were several shops closing up um, and, you know, frankly, living in the southeast, we've been in a sort of relatively protected bubble and not seen too much impact from any recession there's been in the UK. But, you know, I began to think, gosh, there are quite a few shops that have closed down and retail is struggling. Um, mm-hmm. Is it just because retail is changing and we're moving on to the web and we're buying more stuff that way? Or is it also the, the fact that, that we're in tougher times at the moment? And so I was finding myself thinking, well, how if I was in a retail business, would I try harder, get better at whatever, make it more likely that people would buy stuff from me. Um, and how much is what we know going to help them? Um, yeah. And I didn't, you know, you <laughs> I didn't have all the answers. But I mean, well, know. and certainly, I mean, and, and there, there are plenty of folks who are, are, are squarely focused on that, that kind of, uh, um, 
that kind of story these days. But I, I think it's I think it is interesting though to see where we are cycle wise with uh, with that notion of um, leveraging tools to build networks to uh, to tap into and participate in right um, and tapping into those networks and participating in them. Let's say if you're uh, somebody in a retail environment. Um, I, I, I see a lot of local shops and, uh, you know, it, it, we had talked about this before with um, kind of the more fun companies who were uh, uh, more about entertainment or food or um, uh, the more kind of humanistic things that you might deal with um, seem to be willing to kind of do the engagement thing, um, be a little more human, be a little more visible, be a little louder. I've seen lots of local restaurants, not only here on, on the West Coast in San Francisco, but also on the East Coast in uh, uh, the D.C. Uh, metro area. Lots and lots of uh, uh, local retail restaurants, uh, retail shops, restaurants, restaurants, uh, you know, again, the more human types of things where they're willing to engage, they're willing to have conversations with customers. They're willing to, to, you know, kind of be the, the overzealous happy guy walking around high five and everyone, <laughs> you know, um, but they are in fact engaged and they are meeting their customers where they're, where they're expecting to be met, um, with messages that they're expecting to receive. Uh, and I think that that's, uh, um, that's the, the, the piece of engagement that, um, once you get up to that larger scale or once you get into a business that's a little less personal, a little less specific to the the normal uh, situation of being a human being, but more in, in the environment where you're driving somebody to uh, take on your marketing message that, you know, you, you need this thing, you want this thing, this thing is important to you, whether it is or not, um, then it gets tougher to have the engagement um, yeah. because they're, you know, that, that um, you know, without tipping any sacred cows, there, there's a lack of authenticity there. And people pick up on that lack, lack of authenticity very, very quickly. Um, there's only so many coupons I'm going to be dying to get, you know. But being able to be meaningfully engaged around an issue or a problem or a, a product that I am genuinely interested in, if I've shown interest as opposed to simply being beaten, beaten up in an email list um, or with an email list, rather, um, then there's opportunity there, and and, and I think that uh, um, I think that right now we're not mature enough to really understand what that what that looks like. And yeah. I think you're right in saying that that's what the shift is. It's when we get back to that place where whether it be to our customers or whether it be to our employees um, that we're treating each other like humans. Well, and, and it's interesting you you brought mm -hmm. up the employees thing because one of one of the issues <clears throat> I think is scale and and. You know, you mentioned smaller retailers, local retailers mm -hmm. having lots of prospect for engaging in these ways and, and doing so. It's tougher when you, you're a big corporation and uh, sure. and who does the talking and how can they be authentic? And, you know, mm -hmm. this is a lot of the stuff I'm, I'm thinking and writing about at the moment is the is the <clears throat> tension, I guess, in the fact that more and more staff are online anyway. Uh, they're all inhabiting mm -hmm. Facebook and LinkedIn and having conversations where they're sort of having to pretend they do or don't. <coughs> Excuse me, do or don't work somewhere, you know. And um, and we saw, I thought a classic example of that recently in the UK with the, the issue of horse meat. And uh, mm -hmm. <coughs> you know, this is where horse meat got into the food chain and uh, appearing in beef burgers and other products that are meant not to be horse. And 
you know, part of part of me was thinking, you know, especially it was Tesco was that was the first company that this this kind of outed with, if you like, was that if if they and they, they probably do have internal networks, but if they had got to a scale and a robustness and uh, a level of, of I'm going to use that word engagement again, shoot me. Um, but if mm-hmm. if people were actively using their internal platforms, then maybe somebody would have said, "Has anybody noticed the horse?" <laughs> <coughs> you know, yeah. and, and, it, and it might not have ended up quite such a big. Uh, kerfuffle and yeah. and so that's again the tough thing for big organizations that have lots of people in the in the chain lots of people with different interests vested interests possibly trying to control things fearful of mayhem i mean one of the other great stories recently again in the uk was was hmv um where they're a, a record company obviously they were closing i think all if not most of their retail shops and cutting back significantly on all sorts of stuff, including, I think it was 60 people that they employed in their social media team. Uh, yeah. One of the social media team decided to live tweet the, the, them being made redundant, um, which became a, a spectator sport for the rest of us out on the internet watching this happening live, uh, including the report that I think it was the head of marketing was storming around the office shouting, how do I turn off Twitter? <laughs> and... and uh, <laughs> You know, in a sense that that you know, us finding that funny is is in the pain of it. <laughs> you know, it's the, yeah, yeah. It's the fact yeah. that a guy who's head of marketing could think you can turn off Twitter, um, yeah. but it's also just this fact that you have somebody probably quite junior uh, in in the, in in the food chain, as it were, who's been given this loaded gun, um, who you treat badly, who then points it at you. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 there are a whole raft of issues in that. That I, I totally understand why big corporations find this stuff hard. Absolutely, but and and I'm still of the mind. I think that uh, uh, you know healing begins at home, as it were. In in that the the best place to begin to do that work is on the inside. It's among yeah. a, among one another. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I, I get it. It's not a democracy. It's not kumbaya. It's not, uh, there's, there is, um, there is a business structure and a business world that has to be navigated and, uh, uh, risk has to be mitigated. I totally get that. Um, I believe that the way that that change begins to happen is by, uh, taking smaller bites um, having groups working together on the inside, having people have the ability to talk to one another on the inside. Um, you know, I, I, I always go back to that, uh, that fellow I talked to in, uh, um, 2011, who, who told me that, you know, I believe we're at a state where we can, um, allow our employees to engage with one another. And, uh, um, I, I'm thinking that, that, that's a, that's a, a, a grown, educated human being who who deeply understands uh, uh, relationships and connections, and, and uh, um, you know has a, a rich life of his own, but can't can't make that relation when you're talking about people that you work with. It's it's kind of the you know hire well, engage properly, reward appropriately, yeah. um, respect appropriately. Uh, whenever I use that word uh, in a in a business. Um, uh, environment. There are, are are some in business environments where where some you you get that that physical response of you know uh, the sense of rolling their eyes and thinking yeah 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 whatever it's business right. But it is all very personal, and we do take all of that uh, uh, emotion with us to work, and we react to it regardless of uh, how how high or how low on the food chain we are. Well, it's, and it's, so, it's tough, isn't it? Because I mean, if you if you go. 
I think the the fear is that if you if you open this kind of worms, everybody gets really personal, squishy, inappropriate. Uh, open when you don't want them to be you tell mm-hmm. you tell you the life histories when all you want them to do is press a button and you know there's a whole <coughs> possible risks in that um but i think you know the needle has has swung too far the other way and that, that, that we, mm-hmm. we we've attempted too hard to depersonalize things yeah and you know that thing about allowing them to talk to each other you know somebody said on twitter you know your staff already have a social media policy and if you're lucky they've included you in it um you know they they are working this stuff out and you're spot on that business about the inside and the outside this is why i say there's no point trying to be 2.0 outside when you're not even 1.0 inside um Mm -hmm. not least because you haven't learned how this works and how to find your voice and all, all that good stuff but also just because when the shit does hit the fan on the outside you're just not fast enough at dealing with it you know, yeah. that, that, that you've got all these archaic processes and sign-off hierarchies, whatever, internally, that means you just can't think think fast enough to respond appropriately to, to something that's happening very quickly on the internet. Well, and nor are you grooming your employees to be able to do such a thing either. You've, you've yeah. kind of beaten the, the autonomy out of them, <laughs> as it were, in, in for very good reasons, um, for, for, very, for, very, for what's perceived to be very good reasons. Um, but there are there are other ways to get it done rather than, uh, you know, I, I think it gets back to I, I, I say with some frequency, you know, uh, many of the problems that that we have um, when it comes to trust and it comes to uh, uh, autonomy and, and, and value, they have a lot to do with uh, not only our the way that we hire, um, but also how we hold people accountable. I think that there's a. Um, an environment has been created in the last, uh, you know, 30 or 40 years where um, organizations are in many ways fearful of their employees, I think, it, mm-hmm. en masse, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in so much as that you, you have to worry about different types of litigation for different types of treatment. In, in the U.S., there is this uh, um, a, a pretty common thing called an at-will uh, at, at work state. Um, and many of the states are at-will work states um, in that uh, uh, at-will an organization can fire you uh, for no reason. Um, they can just say that they're mm-hmm. done and they're done, and that way they don't have to explain, you know, any it's, issue. It, that it, <laughs> it staggers the rest of the world as we watch that. I mean, it just seems so, <laughs> so yeah, brutal. Well, well, it is, it, it, and it can be. I mean, I, I've been, uh, gosh, uh, I've been in my career um, – in one of my careers, I've been uh, part of a, a massive layoff of a uh, of an entire plant of people, um, and it was very much an at will state. So basically, they just had to hold a meeting and say, "Everybody go home now." Um, uh, so, but that law is was created to protect the organization, right? It was prote- to protect the organization from um, uh, you know b- people being poor performers or. Um, uh, you know, having to go through some some terrible process to be able to to you know call the herd and or just plain and simple get rid of somebody who's not um, uh, you know not working out. You know, the the job is a relationship, right? So and, that, it's, and it's that's very... where that's where it can be. Sorry, that's where it, there's a risk that those some well there's a risk that some of us who are enthusiastic about social media can appear naive about. That. Yes. Yes. Um, 
But you know, I, I I was a line manager for for quite a long time at the BBC, and I and I did have to go through the process of making people, in some cases, who were old enough to be my father, redundant. Yeah. And I can so clearly remember being in that room with, you know, a guy who was in tears, um, mm-hmm. and having to really quickly just work out the line, if you like, because. I wasn't his friend. He didn't want me to be his friend. If I'd pretended to be his friend, it would have scared him more. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a bit like... I always remember reading a book about uh, kids, and I think it was written in the 30s, and saying, you know, in a, in a different era, but it was interesting because it was saying that, you know, uh, upper classes, they would describe it in the UK, children were, were, were stable in a sense because they had rules about... Uh, where you put your knife and fork, mining your P's and Q's, all sort of societal things that were just clear that they grew up with. And likewise, working class folks, you know, you, you, you keep the front room for good. Your dad wants his newspaper and his slippers, whatever. When he, you're making horrendous stereotypes. But there was a clarity about both of them. Mm-hmm. It was the middle class kids who ended up confused because everything was up for debate because mm-hmm. the middle classes were trying to be uh, nice and trying to accommodate different views. Mm-hmm. And... You know, part of me understands in a, in a work context, sometimes people want what to be told's wrong, but want want you to give them structure, want you to give them a framework, mm-hmm. because that's your job. Because they don't want to have to work everything out, they don't want to have to think about everything. Um, yeah. And it, and it is that judgment about, and I think that's a shifting judgment and a shifting line, and I think it's a line that these tools are shifting. That if everybody's trying to be down with the kids, you know, I've talked about corporates trying to do this as like watching your dad dancing at a disco, and mm-hmm. it's it's it, it's a deliberate metaphor because it's a, it's a false bonhomie, it's a false trendiness. Um, so you know, it, it, I think I do empathise with managers that that where does that line get drawn these days? How much do people really want to engage? How much do they really want autonomy? How much do they really want to be treated like grown ups? And the yeah. line is shifting, and you know clearly my my idealistic streak thinks we should. In the first chapter of the book's called we 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 all need to grow up mm-hmm. because I think there is this opportunity, but but you've got to be careful how you unleash it on people, I guess. Well, you know what? So a little uh, bit of a segue here into to talking some about um, what's going on at Yahoo because I think it ties in mm-hmm. um, in in so much as that uh, so. For for those who've been sleeping under large boulders, the um, um, they they've recently uh, uh, Marissa Mayer put out a a, a notice um, that Yahoo is no longer going to be allowing uh, work the work from home, um, which has uh, uh, infuriated many and and <laughs> been catalyst for many a blog post over the last week or so. Um, but I've seen a couple of different statements in, in these blog posts about the whys and hows and, and what it's there for. And um, one of the the, the big uh, issues that's been coming up is that there were a lot of people abusing uh, the the offering, um, and that uh, you know people were basically uh, it was a cultural norm for for people to be using these days as uh, as personal days um, and simply just calling it a work day. Um, so there was a, a abuses going on um, that apparently were were not appropriately in check, um, and there were um, the well, reaction so, so, to it. 
So fire a few managers who are not managing their staff properly. Right. Well, there's that, right? So it, it, it <laughs> yeah. turns into not only is, not only do we now have a, a, a situation where we've brought in folks who who are either willing to at walking in the door or have been groomed to accept that this is a, a reasonable behavior inside yeah. of this environment, but now we are going to unilaterally respond to it by treating each employee as if they are the same person. Yeah. Um, with the same needs, with the same skills, with the same responsibility level, et cetera, which is where we start getting away from the respect thing that I'm talking about. Um, when we, uh, uh, you know, it's that uh, um, treating everybody as if they were children uh, that need to be corrected. Uh, and and I get it. Uh, believe me, this this uh, this is a CEO who's got a, a, a tough road to hoe. This is a there. This is a company that's had a um, a very public uh, past in the last few years. There's been lots of rocky road for them to traverse. Um, and you know, she's a she's a tough gal who's coming in and and uh, and trying to whip things into shape very quickly. And certainly the you know the yank on the leash is a way to get it done. But is that really you know is that the most effective way? I can't say here or there. Um, again, there's a lot of armchair quarterbacking going on, but it's quite interesting to see how it happens. I think the thing that concerns me the most about it um, is to see if that is a successful way uh, to change the culture. And the culture will change. There will be enough people leaving and new people coming in, um, uh, you know, as a result of not just this decision, but I'm sure the changing culture that they're already experiencing right now. Um, that uh, that things will change. The, the question is, if it changes for the positive, do we suddenly then have a slew of businesses saying, hey, you know, the Yahoo's got that right. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should be shifting what we're doing to, maybe it isn't working out for us as well, rather than spending the people time to truly be accountable and truly do a good job of hiring in the first place. It's really interesting. I mean, if she, if she did this, having thought it through realizing that they they had to do something with a short-term effect but possibly a longer-term cost blah 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 Mm -hmm. okay if if she was just kind of reverting in fact i said i said in an interview recently that um one of the biggest inhibitions to social taking off in business is that is the fact that managers still think they're in charge Mm -hmm. and by that, I don't mean that they're not, you know, we're out of control, but it's, it's how that being in charge manifests itself. And that mm-hmm. was part of why I was saying, you know, my reaction to people wasting time is question their line managers as to why they're not managing them effectively. Um, the risk is that you have this kind of like managerial class that's employing the rest of us. Yeah. You know, so, where, so where does that line of employees stop? Mm-hmm. When do you when do you stop acting like an employee and start acting like an employer? Um, and if you want the genuine engagement and willing contribution of your, you know, air quotes Peter Drucker knowledge workers, um, then you have to manage them in ways that are different from those from the production line that that, that have conditioned yeah. so many managerial attitudes, and. You know, what would really depress me, what would be sad would be if we, in these straightened times, especially, you know, like, like yeah, I mean, Yahoo's interesting because, you know, they're kind of archetypical situation where you've got a, a startup-y type mentality initially, 
with lots of mm-hmm. kind of geeky enthusiasm and playfulness and doing cool stuff. And then they start to get bigger and they start accreting managers from other types of businesses, bringing in their attitudes, um, mm-hmm. end up kind of in some ways screwing the thing they had originally that made them different, and are now kind of you know trying to resurrect themselves. It would appear by doing more of the same. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not, not trying to predict what happens to Yahoo, but it would be really sad if we did all end up getting scared because money's tight and leaping yeah. back 20 years in our attitudes. That's not the long-term solution. Well, you know what it is? It's interesting. I, I'm seeing um, what, I'm, what I've been calling kind of a tr- contraction. I think some people have been equating it to the, uh, you know, the trough of disillusionment, which is, uh, you know, the, the, the dip in Gartner's hype that, cycle. But that bloody graph. Yes. That bloody graph, right? So the uh, uh, I am seeing a contraction in uh, in in the way that we are using these tools, and it's it's quite interesting to me to you know look across the landscape of use cases, and see that there is there's lots of you know well intended intranets and portals and uh, um, uh, uh, you know environments out there that, that people are indeed tapping into, and they are in, in specific cases, in purposeful cases, getting benefit from these things. They're doing the work. It's, we're moving on. They're, I mean, the, the social software world is a, is, a, is a pretty healthy one for the most part. Um, but when I talk to people, um, where we fall short is with the, the, the type of engagement that's going on and the fact that it's, you know, it's still really being treated as, as all of those portals and knowledge bases and, uh, um, uh, you know, one-stop shops <laughs> that, yeah. that all of the well-intended IT company or, or departments rather um, installed. It's there. What's missing still is that transformative element where um, there is a, a, a higher percentage of organizations who are meaningfully using these tools to change the way that they talk to people um, on the inside of the company as well as on the outside of the company. That it seems like we're we're reaching that point where there's got to be some kind of a um, it's that personal evolution. It's that personal aha that, that those of us who um, are using these tools to, to to have conversation with people and to meet one another and to connect around the, the things that we're passionate about. Um, we had that aha. We figured out how how the network could benefit us, and and uh, and and what we could put into the network that would benefit us, and uh, uh, you know, just by our presence. Um, I don't think companies have quite figured that out yet because that shield is so high. Yeah. Um, you, know, takes, and it, you know, it, it's a long game. I mean, this is uh, if yeah. I <clears throat> if I thought that social media mm-hmm. in inverted commas was it, then mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'd be beginning to think, gosh, is it all over? But right. that wasn't what it was. It was the internet, and that's mm-hmm. certainly that's certainly not over, um, or or going away. And uh, <clears throat> you know that's what that's why if it, if this is a fifty year stretch of of change or whatever you know, however you want to delineate it, um, then we are just at the start. And, and in an email exchange, I thought you you put your finger on it in the sense that we are. It's like watching teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're sort of acting like grown ups, but there's big bits missing. Um, and and I guess that's what some of us are trying to help people with, just to grow up a little bit faster mm-hmm. uh, and to engage with these tools in the ways that that are possible. Yeah, it's it's a little bipolar right now. It's a little. <laughs> I yeah. mean, we we want all of our innovation and agility, but we're we're uh, we're not kind of you know 
willing to let go of the, the uh, handlebars as it were. <laughs> but, but I, you know, it's coming. It, I, I, I still have faith that, that it is coming uh, just based on, on what I've seen happen in, in social change in the last 50 years. Um, Was it, we we it, have this habit of getting smarter. <laughs> well, I know, yeah, I mean, exactly. And I think that's, you know, where being an optimist helps. That I think watching some of what's happening in Europe... Um, and I'm not fully across the story, but, you know, the Italian politics and, and, you know, more and more people questioning the status quo and, and, and those currently in power and how they, how they manifest that power and exploring, tinkering with other ways. You know, it's, it's like I often quote the fact that I used to have a T-shirt at university that said, don't vote, it only encourages them. And <laughs> I think there's there's more and more people thinking, well, you know, does our in the UK bi-party political system work in in a modern mm-hmm. context? And if mm-hmm. it doesn't work, how could you make it better? Um, how could you distribute intelligence better? It's the same question, I guess, as inside organisations. If if it's getting harder and harder for small groups at the top to not be stupid, uh, or if the world's <laughs> if the world's getting complicated too fast for them to to cope and keep up, how do we collectively work better to make our problems more solvable? Um, yeah. And, you know, this is what's really exciting because we have, we have the platforms, we have the technologies, we're beginning to have the skills. We just need a bit of a, a leg up in terms of the, well, the story, as for one thing, you know, that bigger story that I sort of sometimes talk about, just what makes it all click together and make sense. We're not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. But it's, you know... I, I, I still do believe it's coming. I mean, it, it's it's a matter of uh, you know, stumble, fail, correct, stumble, yeah. fail, correct. Yeah. I think the only thing that frightens me about it on that that global stage, um, and I think that we have to be thoughtful about this with organizations as well, is when you start looking at the way that governance begins to occur. Um, and again, it's that uh, um, it, it, it's it gets back to that kind of bipolar story that I was talking about, where it's the 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 expectation is that it's either all wide open or it's all very controlled, um, and that there is no gray area in between yeah. that. And I yeah. think it's learning to understand what the gray area is. I mean, uh, the the look at the 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 reaction. Um, that's come to copyright with SOPA and PIPA and, and ACTA and all the different, you know, permutations of that as time will go by. Um, as we contract, try to react, and then uh, um, let go a little bit if it's, uh, when, when that fails or, you know, God forbid, one of those, um, one of those things, uh, one of those bills comes to pass as being a law, you know, then, then a new fight will uh, we'll begin around it, you know, I mean, and I think as organizations, when we look at, it's that gray area that we really need to be seeking, you know, how much can our, how much are we engaging with our employees to make them aware of, uh, what the stance is? How much are we asking our employees what the stance is? You know, yes, it's not a democracy. We get that. But if we've got to get every, everybody on board with, uh, uh, delivering the same story, um, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be deeply necessary for us to to have that dialogue and truly have that culture on the inside, not just have an awareness campaign around what we think the culture should be, but to truly have that culture on the inside. Um, and not we, just a culture. We, sorry, sorry. No, I was just going to say we, we've got to get to that place where that's represented um, in in a meaningful way so that people can really buy into it. Because again, when, especially uh, online, you know, people know when they're being sold to. 
and and they tend to turn off a hunk of that. Um, so in an organization, even even more so, I would say that than to uh, um, to a, the big audience who who may or may not be listening. In an organization where you have this intimate relationship of of doing work with people all day, every day, you've got to have a meaningful conversation with them if you if you hope to build a culture of alignment. And and that thing about being at, you know the inside um, to take it to it's kind of like take it further if you like you know I. I the desettling effect of this, and where people, to some extent, want to be the job title and, and, and have come, become comfortable with the external trappings, as it were, of structure, can be very scared when, when that starts to look shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just, no, you know, more, more people who've been around on the web for a while begin to sort of get interested in, in things like mindfulness. And, you know, we sort of mm-hmm. talked a bit about this offline, just the self awareness that it takes and I've been reading some smashing books by a guy called Russ Harris, an Australian guy um, where, where he talks about defusing so in other words we, we get fused to particular ideas or particular thoughts about ourselves and can make ourselves really stressed and unhappy on on that basis and, and it's a re- reworking of the Buddhist idea that you observe that process you, know, you sort of step back and are able to be aware of the fact that you are fused to a particular situation or idea and you know I, I really do believe that that if we're talking about networks of individuals operating in much more flexible and and ever-changing and autonomous ways then the cells as it were in that in that organism have to be healthy um, mm-hmm. and have to be able to take on that role of being a cell in a network or a, or a biological um, organism um, mm-hmm. And and so many of them are at the moment, you know, sort of cancerous in the sense that they're dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. They're not working to their full capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, <laughs> this may be what causing people who might be giving me some work running the other direction. But I think I think there is a, an element of self awareness that's required by this. And you get, I mean, once you start blogging in public, you start punting ideas out and getting people reacting to them. And even this podcast, you know, we are getting people reacting to what we're saying and I guess even the very fact that I'm raising this topic is me becoming more comfortable with being more open about this aspect of what we're talking about mm-hmm. um, so you know going, going back to my earlier thing about you can't overdo this and if this was all you talked about it would be clearly an unproductive thing to be doing in business but to not talk about it in the yeah. face of the kind of scale of changes we're talking about I think is and this goes back to Marissa Mayer as well you know, sure. If you don't lift the lid on, and this is why she got the reaction she did, you know, if you don't lift the lid on what's actually happening, what's actually scary, and what people's actual thoughts and feelings are, then you end up making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's difficult. There's that. Uh, there's a social line um, that exists, uh, a border that exists between work life and personal life. And it's been fascinating to watch that line blur when it's of benefit to the 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 organization as it were to get the work done, right? I, I bring home my phone, I answer it when I shouldn't answer it. <laughs> I respond to emails when I should not respond to emails. I you know, I'm I'm available 
um, just you know due to the nature of my work and where where my 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 colleagues reside. I'm available whenever I need to be available. I've, I, I'll get up at four in the morning and do a, a, a presentation for folks in Tanzania. Okay. You know, <laughs> that, <laughs> that works out. But um, I think we've all become quite accustomed to that scenario. But when it comes to us as human beings, us as personal people, um, personal people, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it be, as opposed it becomes, to impersonal people, as yes. opposed to impersonal people, right? It, it, it's uh, that that barrier that it, get, it gets back to that um, that uh, uh, that kid analogy that I use all the time when we're talking about you know you put your underwear on the outside and tie a, cape, uh, uh, a towel around your neck as a cape you know it's like you are are, are infallible inhuman uh, a uh, a charismatic machine or a or, or a producing machine one or the other right whatever it is that you need to be for your role um, but I find it quite interesting. Um, that these people that we kind of like we we look to as being these amazing leaders who uh, are able to get so much done and do great things um they are they are either people who are are deeply aware of themselves and and tend to to practice some of these things that we're talking about or <laughs> they <Yeah>. are financially <laughs> very successful but maybe not doing so well as, be, as being a human yeah. being you know yeah I, I i often i often ask people when they start talking about success the first thing i'll say is hey you know is donald trump successful <laughs> and, and do you want to be <laughs> like wait, that when you grow up and, yeah. and wait for the answer right now he makes a lot of money i wouldn't necessarily call him successful but um yeah yeah. You know, it's it's that it's that kind of awareness, and and no, everybody doesn't have to be a yogi to 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 be happy at work and to be productive and to be able to lead people, um, but there is a degree of big picture um, that you've really got to be able to to see to meaningfully understand how to engage at scale. Yeah, you know exactly, um, and and whether that is to your customers and what your marketing messaging is, or how you're responding to your customers in a support system, um, or you know what type of of respect you're offering them in in the experience. Whether that's you know if I'm number eighty five on a on hold for chat, you know uh, not the not the <laughs> best experience, you know, and not not behooving of my respect. So I mean. Um, and as an employee, if I have to, to call a help desk to get a to light to get a light bulb changed, um, because that's how they're they're dealing with scale, um, yeah, I'm going to be a little frustrated, you know. Or if I have my my chain yanked, and suddenly rather than having um, having a, a strategy to engage with, and when I say engage, I, I really do mean meaningfully engage with um, staff employees. The, 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 your partners in in carrying the company forward, um, yeah, people are people are going to get uh, frustrated with that. And and no, it's business, and not you know not everybody is going to be happy in business. We get that, um, but there are again, it's that gray area that we're shooting for. And to get to that gray area, the the the, the place in between the the all or nothing. Um, we've got to be a little more mindful about that. We have to be a little more inquisitive about that. We have to be definitely more creative in the way that we're looking at our solutions and kind of stop limiting ourselves um, based on, uh, you know, stories that we tell one another about what success is. And, um, and that, that's kind of reassuringly brought us full circle. <laughs> I mean, as it's probably clear to many listeners that, that we don't really plan this before we start. Um, and, we, and we have got into some reasonably... Uh, interesting 
uh, off to- not off topic. No, that's the point because it, it did come back to the fact that this is a personal platform. Nature, you know, the nature of these stories is is individual. You know, organisations mm-hmm. don't it people do, and they're not channels, they're not broadcast platforms. They're coming at us in intimate devices like mobile phones, and call for a different type of communication and a higher level of trust and and mm-hmm. a more personal. Uh, aspect to this, and I, and I think so. I think it has been entirely appropriate to raise that issue of what does that personal bit mean, mm-hmm. and uh, and how do you deal with it, and how do you um, how do you make it an opportunity rather than a threat? I guess. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so th- I mean, th- thanks again, uh, Megan, and thanks for listening, everybody who's who's been listening. If you've enjoyed this it would be really good if you could uh, go on to itunes and rate the podcast i understand that that makes it more likely to be discovered by others who haven't yet uh, found the delights of shift and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, speaking to you again soon yeah and i would offer as well that uh, if you've got ideas or if uh, you'd like to talk about anything that we've talked about um, or would like us to raise something in the next episode, do uh, do join us on Twitter or uh, wherever you might see us and uh, let us know. 